Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. I'm your host, Katie Fogarty. Here is a surprising stat. One in four Americans is a woman over 40. So why do so many of us feel invisible and ignored by pop culture and brands? Today's guest is somebody who's made a career out of putting women front and center in places where women of a certain age are often invisible. Ad campaigns, commercials, brand conversations, and more. Katie Keating, a co-founder of New York City-based creative agency Fancy, is one of Adweek's Creative 100 and a regular contributor to Adweek, Ad Age, and Fast Company. She launched her own company in midlife at an age when so many start to count women out. She is here to share ideas for getting your own business off the ground, plus data-backed insight into how to connect with women over 40. Because if you have a business, women over 40 are the ones buying what you are selling. Welcome, Katie. Hi. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me to the party. Yeah, well, thank you for saying yes. I, um, I'm always so appreciative when people, you know, I drop into their inboxes and they uh, agree to be guests on the show. And of course, I'm always happy to hang out with a fellow Katie. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because I spend a lot of time podcasting. Anyone who's listening, you know, knows me through podcasts. But the other platform that I spend a lot of time on for my day job is LinkedIn. And that's where I first... Um, learned about Katie's work and learned about her advocacy and championship of women over 40 and, you know, how she got onto my radar screen. So I'm really excited that she's here today and I get to talk to her, you know, uh, by by Zoom versus over LinkedIn. So thanks again. Um, Great. Katie, you're a co-founder of Fancy, which I said, which is uh, 100% women-owned and operated, which is um, unusual because only 0.1% of creative agencies are women-owned. How did you and your co-founder decide to launch this agency, and why did you do so? Um, well, there, there are many different paths that sort of converged at the same time to make us launch, launch the agency. But essentially, um, when we did it, 3% of creative directors were women. Uh, there was a stat that came out of the 3% movement, hence sure. the, the name sure. of the movement. Um, and that was in 2011, which was when we founded the agency. And we were just kind of gobsmacked by that statistic. And we couldn't even really believe it. And then we started looking around the agencies where we were, these you know big blue chip global agencies. And you know, we were just sort of like, man, that it, it's true. And we're in the middle of this. And how is it ever going to change. And then at the same time, we also were looking around the agencies, realizing that of those 3%, they really started to drop off. The, the amount of women really started to drop off as they, um, as they aged. And at that time, I was 40 and my partner, Erica, was, um, I think, 46 or something like that at, at the time. And we, we thought, you know what, if we stick around, we're going to get fired. For, for one reason or another, we're just, or we're going to just go running, screaming out of the agency <laughs> world. <laughs> neither, <laughs> neither option sounds appealing. <laughs> exactly. So it, even though it sounds totally bonkers, um, we really thought long and hard about it. And we were like, you know what? We need some control over our lives and over our future. And we can't depend on advertising industry as usual to take care of us. So we, the most sort of conservative and, and forward thinking thing that we could do was to quit our secure jobs and 
go out on our own and, and try it, uh, try to see what we could make happen ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, it really was a terrific decision as it turns out. Yeah. Isn't it wild to think about setting off on your own and, and building th something from scratch somehow feels more stable than, than sticking around yes. where you are? Um, well, totally. Because at any point, you know, you could be fired. The agency could lose an account. Somebody could go, you know, could have it out for you. You could simply just, which happens a lot sure. in, in advertising and I'm sure other industries as well, you just become too expensive. Yes, yes. I hear that refrain all the time. I mean, my, my day job is helping uh, senior executives and business owners create strong LinkedIn profiles and, and professional branding and marketing materials. And uh, every client I've had, you know, thinks they work in the most ageist industry. And right, you know, I hear right. that I hear that all the time. People are concerned about aging in place and making themselves vulnerable. So I love that you uh, picked up stakes and built your own thing. And I, your focus is really unique. You fancy focuses on helping brands connect with women over forty. And I know that Fancy has done a lot of original research on the over forty female customer. And I, I would love for you to share with us who is she. You know what what does she want? What has your research taught you? Well, that's, you know, it's a funny question because she, she's very hard to define, um, you know, at no point in a woman's life is she more dissimilar to her age mates, you know, between the ages of say 40 and 50, um, this woman could have, you know, college age kids. She could have a grandchild. She could have a toddler. And that's just if she's a mother. She could also not be a mother at all. She could be married. She could be have never gotten married. She could um, be on her third divorce. She could um, be uh, starting a brand new career and and um, or the same career and starting a new uh, a new version of it, her own company, like what I did. Or she could um, she could be an intern in some totally new. We had an intern at Fancy one time who was um, over 50 years old, she was just really interested in changing what she was doing and she wanted to explore advertising. And it was, it was amazing to have someone like that in our, in our group. There just really is no way that you could um, stereotype this person. You really have to, you have to dig a little bit more than just targeting um, women over 40 when you're thinking about this consumer. This is so fascinating. And you've, you've crystallized something that I've never even thought of. And you're absolutely right. Like women over 40, we're not a monolith. You know, we're very, there's, right. we're not homogenous at all. And um, you've blown my mind when you said that we are so dissimilar from each other. Like never at any point have we been so dissimilar. And I'm thinking, um, you know, when we were in middle school, like we're all in sixth grade together or you're all in college. Right. But when I look at my own peer group, my oldest daughter is 21 uh, and one of my best friends from high school and one of my best friends from college both have only children that are nine. You know, so we're <laughs> even though we all right. went through like, the, you know, you know, pimples and like, you know, keg stands together. We are like so different <laughs> now because our right. lives have, have put us in this different zone. So. So how do you help brands understand this 40 plus market? And like, actually, let me start even, let's take a step back. Do brands want to understand the 40 plus market yeah. or, or are they just written us off? Well, that's interesting. So um, I think that, I think that it's changing and I think they're starting to get hip to it now. 
when Erica and I decided to have this sort of specialty as part of our agency, we, we first started just to focusing on women of, of all ages. And we still do, but we knew at, at a point that um, there was this real opportunity for brands to honestly, to make money because they weren't, they were leaving it on the table by not including women over 40. So that's when we did that survey that you referenced. And we talked to 500 women about what they thought about advertising and marketing and how they were included or not included. And as it turned out, um, and, and the thing that we, that we found out was when we went and talked to brands afterwards, after we had this survey and we had all this information and we, we learned that women really wanted relationships, relationships with brands, but that they were totally left out and they were pissed off about it. You know, they were saying things to us like, I have more money now than I ever had. I feel really good about myself. I want to buy things and nobody's talking to me. What is my money? No good. Like, and those kind of things. And so we went to brands and they, their first reaction when we would talk to the marketing people was, um, wow, that's so cool. Yes, completely. I totally understand this makes so much sense. And they were reacting like humans, you know, sure. whether they were marketing director or whatever they were, that was their first reaction. And then they kind of pulled back a little and put on the old marketing hat. And they were like, well, you know, we don't want to alienate our, our core customer. We don't want to, you know, alienate, um, you know, somebody who, who we really want to represent, you know, be representative of the brand. And, you know, and we're thinking like, are you crazy? Like, do you know who's actually purchasing? Sure. Women have, and, you know, women of yeah, a certain I mean, age have all the spending power and they make all the buying decisions in their household. Anything from insurance to cars to makeup to whatever. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it kind of boggles the mind. So did anyone it, say yes? Did, did some brands get it or was they, it? What they said was, this is a really great idea because we were talking to them <laughs> about, you know, that sounds like do- womp womp. The moment you bring it, like, this is a really great idea. You're like, you're not buying what I'm selling, are you? <laughs> right. They're like, it's a great idea, but don't make it your whole business. And so we didn't. And it was a good thing because we would have completely been out of business if this was our whole business in 2018. And, um, and the, the interesting thing though, is I really do think it's changing now in the last couple of years, we've done a lot of projects that have focused on this age group. And I think it's also changing because there are a lot of brands that are being formed by women over 40 for women over 40. Yes. I mean, the whole, that whole, um, menopause, uh, category is just exploding, you know, and it's, it's showing that there's a real need and there's now finally women who aren't afraid to talk about it and to put, um, cool products out for this, for this category. Yeah. But it's it's even beyond menopause too, because I, you know, I've had, um, Sonsalas Gonzalez, the CEO of Better Not Younger, the hair care brand on, she created Mm -hmm. a product simply for the over 40 market. There are, um, you know, like sex toys companies, there totally. are sexual enhancements, like Lubes, which is started by a company called Taboo, T-A-B-U. I mean, there's a whole they, range those Taboo of... Taboo people just got, um, I just saw this morning that they just got uh, half a million dollars in funding. Yeah, uh, they just So yeah, people, so it's not only the the brands, but it's now I think there are funders recognizing that this... Um, that this category of women is actually really important and it's actually very profitable if you if you can um, 
reach them the right way if you and can offer talk them something way. they actually want. Yes. You know, and I think about there was that whole kerfuffle that happened a few weeks ago when Tiffany's, you know, the jewelry company, um, yeah. launched their new ad campaign where they were saying, you know, not your mother's Tiffany's. And like the Twitter sphere blew up and, and people were angry because yeah. they were... Um, I don't know, suggesting that one generation is better than the next. And I'm also thinking, like, I get it. Brands probably want to get in with young customers so they can grow them over a lifetime. But then you don't get to, like, kick them to the curb once they hit a right. certain age. It seems so silly. So how, so, what was your take on that, um, Jewelry Ad, and what would you have done differently? Well, you know, it's funny. As, as a creative person um, in advertising, I thought that – that headline um, and that whole concept was kind of lazy. It's just, you know, we've heard it before with different brands and it was, it was disappointing for, to see it from Tiffany because, um, you know, what they're talking about is products, jewelry and silverware and things like that, that are designed to be heirlooms and passed down from generation to generation. So when you say this is not your mother's Tiffany, you're not only disparaging an entire um, generation of and multiple generations of of women who who are older. You're also disparaging your own product, saying the your mother's Tiffany is no good. Like that, just you know, as a marketer, I think that that's sort of you know just crazy talk. Um, you're to disparage your own brand that way. Um, and then um, also when you dig around on their website on on that page, they're showing. While saying this is not your mother's Tiffany, they're showing these classic Tiffany Elsa Peretti pieces. And you're just like, but wait a second, my mom actually had that. That is actually my mom's Tiffany. And now I'm wearing, I'm wearing hers and she gave it to me. And are you telling me now that I'm, you know, a 28 year old and I'm wearing a bracelet that my mom gave me that was hers that it just was like so crazy. It It made me... Yeah, I, I totally agree. By the way, I have a big Elsa Peretti heart necklace that I wear all the time. So I am team old Tiffany's, but I, you know, <laughs> not that I mind having new products, but you want to be communicated with uh, in a way that feels like the brand understands you know, who you are and appreciates you. We're going to take a quick yeah. commercial break, but when we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about what, what, what you might have suggested, what brands get it right, and uh, more insights into this over 40 market. We'll be back in just a minute. Midlife is a crazy balancing act. Careers, relationships, home life, bank accounts, empty nests, aging parents. Not to mention fun, fitness, and friends. We're living longer, stronger, healthier, and happier. We're living life fully charged. We're living Brightly. Brightly is a modern membership company and digital platform built to fuel life 50+. Powered by the belief that age and experience are rocket fuel, and that 50 is a fantastic yet underrated club, Brightly offers tools, benefits, content, and inspiration for living life fully charged. Brightly offers exclusive benefits from top brands like Warby Parker, HelloFresh, and Minted. Brightly offers tools and classes to help you get things done built just for this life stage. Brightly offers voices of experts, influencers, and a community all living life 50+. Come be Brightly. Sign up for the free Brightly newsletter at thisisbrightly.com and follow the fun on social at this is brightly. So Katie, we're back from our break. Uh, we just talked about how Tiffany's got that whole ad campaign wrong. What's a brand that gets it right, that talks to the 40 plus consumer well? 
Well, I think, you know, I'm a little biased because we've done some, some work, um, obviously in this category and, uh, we did a, a project for, um, hair biology, which is a PNG mm -hmm. brand. And I think that they, their point of view on, um, talking to women sort of boldly and, and beautifully, uh, and there are women for women over 50, this brand, um, I think they're doing uh, a great thing. I think, as you said, Sensalis with Better Not Younger, I think she's doing um, a terrific job of connecting with uh, women in this group. And I think um, Stacey London has a, recently taken over the brand um, State of Menopause. I think that is, that's doing well uh, also. And I think, I think what makes these brands work really well and communicate really well with women of this um, age group is that they're just, they're very honest about what life is like at this point. Um, they it, take in the case really of, of Stacy's uh, there's, they're taking a stand. Um, you know, they're, these brands have um, power and might and they can do a lot to move the cultural needle. And it's like getting a, big snowball rolling or something, yes. you know, yeah. you, you, it's hard at the beginning and you, you feel like you're shouting into the, you know, into the empty, you know, Canyon. And then eventually, you know, more and more people become, um, become a able to participate in the conversation and it becomes, you know, more and more normalized. Yeah, just the of course. They, they, yes, they buy in, which, and then yeah. this is exactly why I launched this podcast. I mean, I got tired of people telling me they couldn't admit to being 50 publicly. And right. you know, our unofficial hashtag is age out loud. I mean, if we don't start aging out loud, it's never going to change. You know, we can't be embarrassed right. about admitting we're 45 or 50 or 55 or 60 forever because we're never going to change things. But I want to go back to Sanzala's for a minute. I learned when she came on my show, Better Not Younger, most of the models she uses on her website and to market her products are her friends. When she, mm -hmm. when she went in search of um, models, you know, professional models to model her product, they didn't, they didn't feel real. They were these like fake right. people. And we see this all the time where women are like, they're, they're, they're advertising like depends, you know, panty liner things. Oh and they're God. like 35. Yeah. You're like, that woman's not wearing her pants. Or they're like 100, which nothing <laughs> wrong with being 100. You know, it would be amazing to get there and be healthy and live vibrantly. But there, there, right. there's this whole middle gap where people are, you know, they're not using, not using real people. And I think you touched on it when you said Stacey London with her menopause brand state of or hair biology or better not younger. The reason why they feel authentic is because they are. They're actually right. using real women. So what, what was something that you learned from the real women that you surveyed that surprised you uh, when you conducted your survey? Was there anything that you were surprised to learn about this 40 plus consumer? Yes. Um, and it was that like 80% of them felt stronger, cooler, or sexier than they ever expected that they would feel at this age. Yes. I love this. You are talking our language. This is, it's so true. Yeah. Don't you, I feel much more confident, much oh my God, more totally. um, uh, secure in myself, in my friendships, what I want to, where I want to choose to spend my time, how I want to choose to spend it. Um, we're, you know, I think we're also decisive consumers at this point too. People need to be mm -hmm. talking to us because we know what we want. And if you, you put something in front of us that we want, we're going to, we're going to buy it. So I'd love to hear that this, um, spirit is, is sort of backed up by your, 
by your research. Was there anything else that surprised you? Um, I mean, some of the stuff, well. Or made you sad. Did anything kind of like, um, what were some of the questions that you were asking? Well, we asked them like, um, do you think that uh, brands play a negative role in the perception of women over 40? 76% said yes, they do feel that. 80% felt that brands perpetuated negative gender stereotypes um, and gender inequality. So, I mean, that, that was, that was sad. That was just sort of like, oh man, you know, let's, let's do what we can to see what we can to change that. Oh, another really surprising thing was that nine out of 10 mothers that we surveyed. So obviously not everyone's a mom, right? Yes. But nine out of 10 mothers wanted to see more brands showing women in roles other than mom. So it wasn't, it wasn't just that the non-mothers were like, ugh, enough, enough mother, enough with the portraying of mothers. Even women who are mothers really want to be portrayed as having more to their lives than that. Yes, we're multidimensional. One of my um, recent guests was the author Angie Kim, who left a legal career. She had a very celebrated legal career, and she uh, became a published novelist at the age of 50. And when I asked her what was the one word that she uses to describe how she feels as she ages, she said kaleidoscopic, mm-hmm. which I thought was oh, wow. such a fabulous word. You know, like she's multifaceted. She right. is multicolored. She's a mosaic of all of these different experiences. And I think sometimes brands want to put you into a box and they want to put you in a very young box. So, Right. I, That's I, a really beautiful way to describe it. I haven't I haven't heard heard it described that way before but i'm gonna repeat it because it's so it's it's so beautiful and so accurate yeah it's such a great word and i was like but also how do i spell that i was like i can good thing it's a podcast i had to look it up i'm like all right like that's a great word i don't know i'm not sure if i could spell it um but it's it's true i love to you know there's just all these different components to us so you know speaking of different components i want to switch gears for a minute because i want to hear a little bit about how you built your own business a lot of the women who are tuning into the show, um, you know, are either thinking about launching businesses. I've had a lot of women who've come on who've, who've launched brands or have launched small businesses um, for a variety of reasons. Either they age out of corporate life, like you indicated, you and your your um, partner, you know, saw which way the wind was blowing and you knew that you needed to carve out a new niche for yourself. And sometimes people just burn out. They're not pushed out, but yeah. they burn out and they want something new for their second or third act. So what would be your advice for getting um, a business up and running? And, you know, how, so let's just maybe start at the beginning. How did you know it was time to hang out your own shingle and what gave you the courage to go for it? Well, um, I, I, it was something that we talked about. You know, I think everybody in advertising is like, if I had my own agency, I'd be doing it this way or if things would be different or it wouldn't suck like this or whatever. (laughs) And, um, and so but at the time, both my partner and I were the breadwinners for our families. And um, so we couldn't just, you know, slam the door on the, our Sure, on the bread, and, right. And yeah, on the bread, yeah. And so, um, so we said, you know, we can't do that without a client. And then, you know, it's a long story how it happened, but we had a client ask us to be their agency. And we said, okay, well this won't, this one client is great. And actually it was a client that, um, was focused on women over 40, just 
as it just so happened to be. Um, and that when we really dove into doing work for her and her brand is how we really were like, oh my God, nobody is talking to this age group appropriately. And let's, let's just, we just did the work and did the creative from the heart instead of, you know, getting all marketing about it. And it was really, turned out really great. So we thought, well, this is a great brand and we'd love to be a part of it. And it doesn't replace our corporate salaries, but it takes the edge off of the panic. Um, how hard could it be to get another couple of these accounts and it'll be great. Well, you know, turns out it's it was actually really hard. Um, uh, but you know what they say about what you don't know, like it's good to be dumb or what you don't sure, know. Right. You can edit that part it out. Get, it gets you going. If you knew everything yeah. that was coming down the pike, you m- might never get started. But I do love that right. that that insight that you shared, that sometimes um, you need to start small with one client and that maybe it's mm-hmm. a side hustle and you start building steam before you actually leave. That's one great strategy if you're looking to start something new. The other is to, you know, to sort of save money or to you know, position yourself so that you're, you're ready uh, for next. So obviously other clients came, you know, right. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you can at all afford to do it, then you just have to do it like that. You you can't, it's no, it's like having a baby. It's never going to be the right time. Right. You know, it's always going to be some reason why you can't start your business. You, if you, if you don't actually really want to do it, you will find a way to not do it. Yes. um, The kind of the way I, I operate is to sort of just do it anyway, you know, like, uh, unless it's going to be like devastating to financially, financially, then, you know, don't do it, but you have to just sort of walk into the fear because there's going to be a million things in your business that are scary. And, um, what I, what I realized, and it didn't take me long to realize this and it was actually really great, but I, I had to, I had to start the business first to realize it was that People, even your competitors, want you to succeed. There's really room for everyone to to be successful and have the clients that they want. And there are, I think, as as time goes on, and I think this has really changed, you know, in the last 20 years, is that women everywhere are holding the door open for other women. And it's it's really nice and it's really reassuring to feel like you really aren't alone. There are always people that you can call up to ask a question. There are definitely whatever you're facing, someone else has faced it before and they will help you or they will point you in the direction of someone who can. And I think that that is a really, really important thing for women to know as they think about starting a business. That is such spot on advice. And I have found that to be true in my own life. Uh, women have been great about sharing advice. They've been great about sharing pricing. You know, I'm looking to price Um, my service offerings. When I've been looking to, I got actually invited out to the West Coast to give um, remarks on my podcast, actually, by a wonderful trade association. Um, Shout out to Becky and Alicia for having me. But I, um, you know, called a friend and I said, you know, this wonderful duo has invited me out. You know, what do you think I should charge? And I got um, some feedback from friends who do a lot of public speaking. So it's it's always a good idea to ask people for advice. People are generous with their time. And then in turn, you pay it back. You know, you pay it forward. Right. You, you're, yeah. you're helpful to them. So and, and also, particularly when you're running a small business, you can't do all the business, right? Like, right. There's a limit to how much you can take on. 
So it's smart to get, um, you know, people in sort of your corner that you can hand clients off to or take clients from when, when you're busy. So this is the big picture. But what were the tactical steps that you took when you and your partner or your co-founder decided to leave? Like, what was the first thing you did? What's the second? If somebody's listening to this and thinking, I would love to leave my corporate job and like hang out my own shingle and run a consultancy, what would you recommend they do tactically to move the ball forward? Well, one of the things I did was figure out how I was going to get health insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, so that's one thing you definitely have to figure that out. And every, because every year I see if I can find a better health insurance and I spent like three full days researching it and it's never better than what I have. Um, So it's, but it's important, especially at the beginning to, to get that taken care of. It's also um, I think important to make yourself an LLC and depending on what state you live in, there are different rules about costs and publishing and all kinds of crazy stuff, but you don't need a lawyer. You don't need to spend a bunch of money on it. You can do it online, but you really should, um, especially if you have a partner, um, definitely if you have a partner, you need to make yourself an LLC. Um, and then I think building your network is also a really important thing to do right away. Let people know you're doing what you're doing, connect with people, reach out on LinkedIn, start um, and start to, to post about what you're doing. Create a, not, you don't have to create a big following, but you have to have something out in the world so that when people research you, especially when you're new and people research you and they research your company, that they have, they can figure out kind of what you're all about both as a person and as um, a business person, you know? So I think that that's really good, good advice too. Um, lots of times, you know, people are doing business with other people, you know, and how you are as, as a person is important in that, how you present yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That is great advice. Um, I, take time to tend your LinkedIn. Um, that's the first thing that people are going to see when they Google you. If you haven't invested yeah. in your own website yet, that's your digital footprint. But I would also say invest in a website because oh, you know, yeah, that, that totally. is that is a very basic um, calling card these days. You and it's yes. it's never been easier to put up something that looks amazing. I um, run both my business uh, website and my podcast website off of Squarespace. The templates are easy to use. They're, yes. they're attractive. There's other places like Wix. There's a whole host of ways to really put um, a professional foot forward, which I think is really important for small business owners. How do yeah. you get the word out? I mean, if you started with a client who came to you and mm-hmm. you've grown since then. Do you, do you find it's mostly through customer referrals? Have you done PR? Is it public speaking? Beyond LinkedIn, what would be other strategies or channels that work for you to communicate with future customers? Well, I've done a, um, a fair amount of writing for trade magazines. Um, so that's been helpful to get me in front of people who would be clients. And also um, in, in advertising in our trade, it's good to be in those because you sort of um, legitimize yourself among your peers smart. as well. And yes, that's smart. That's helpful as people move around and, and stuff. Um, so that I think those are, it's really my writing I think that's done a lot to, um, to put us out there. I can definitely trace, um, I can definitely trace business back to writing and speaking some public speaking that I've done. 
Right. That's that's a great uh, piece of advice is to find a way to be visible. And that could look yeah. different for different people. It could be writing. Sure. It could be Instagram. It could be, you know, like TikTok. Uh, although, right. Although I haven't gone there yet. But there's a lot of different mm-hmm. ways to be in front of people. Here's another great exercise that I actually did with a friend. You just jogged a memory. Um, I went back and looked at, you know, just one year of business. And I put down every single client I got, every job that I booked, across, um, you know, all, all, all my different service offerings, including public speaking. And then I went backwards in my grid that I had created, and I figured out how that business got there. Was it a client cool. referral? Was it from, you know, something that I posted on LinkedIn? Because then you have truly a map of what's actually, you know, driving ROI for right. you. And if it's, you know, maybe you love to be on TikTok, but no one's hired you, you know, because of that, they're hiring you because of something more staid like LinkedIn, you know, that's where you prioritize your time. So it it can feel like a little bit of homework, but I found it to be really useful. And I found that most of my business came through um, referrals. So I take time to nurture those relationships. You know, that's that's where that's where I prioritize. I don't like do advertising. Mm -hmm. I I spend time uh, nurturing my network. Yep. I think that's really, that's a great exercise. I think I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> help um, me hang up. <laughs> good. No, 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 no. So any, what about any watch outs? Is there anything that you've learned that you would say, oh my God, you know, please don't make that same mistake that I did. Cause I have a bunch of them, which I'm not going to bore you with, but I would love to, you know, learn from you. Is there anything that you would um, flag as a watch out for somebody who wants to launch a small business? I think, uh, I think a, one watch out would be, and I didn't necessarily make this mistake, but I thought about it a lot, is to not do every single thing yourself. You know, like definitely spend the money. Don't be so afraid to spend money to get people to help you do stuff. Like if you hate math, maybe you don't need to do the bookkeeping. You know, maybe you can hire somebody to run your QuickBooks, which is not to say that you shouldn't have them explain it to you. Like you should definitely know your financial state in your, in your business and know how much is coming in and where it's going out and all of that. But you don't have to necessarily make every single invoice. You don't have to necessarily, you know, categorize each expense that comes in, get somebody else to do it and do the things that you, not only that you're good at, but that you actually like doing because then you won't put them off. So such, I think such that, great advice. That's such yeah. smart advice. And I also feel like, you know, you launched a business for a reason. You um, you enjoy being creative. You have a vision for how people should be talking to the 40 plus market. You didn't launch your business to run QuickBooks. You know, we get to the we get to a certain age where I want to spend the time, my time doing the things that I love and that, um, you know, make a difference for my mm-hmm. clients or for the people that I'm listening to. So I, I think that just from a, you know, for that piece of advice really resonated with me just, um, you know, from, from an age. And so just quickly, you know, I know you told me you launched the, um, the business fancy when you were 40. Do you feel like you could have done this when you were younger or did it, was it sort of at the right time? You know, did you have to be in midlife to, to make this work? I think, I think that I did. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, I, I do think that the training that I received in the corporate world and in these big global agencies on big, powerful accounts has helped me considerably in um, the work that I've done at Fancy, both as a creative and also just as somebody who's helping um, steer brands. You know, I, I kind of know, 
know what they do at the at the big places. And I think that that's really um, helpful information for the clients that we have. So I I don't think for that reason that I could have done it before I had had you know 15 years of experience in the corporate world. But I also um, don't think I could have done it because I don't think I would have had the courage to do it before. I think I would have caved when things got hard and gone out and got another big agency job. And so where's uh, that where's that midlife courage coming from? Is it from from experience or is there something else that that uh, maps in and, and, and makes you feel courageous? Uh, I think, I think there's, it's, it's simply from having lived life and knowing that stuff will turn out or knowing that if you, you have enough, you know, past experiences of working hard at something that you, that you want and, and making it successful, um, you know, that the tough times are going to pass, you know, whether it's a challenging client or it's a period where you have no business coming in and you, you know, it's, it's easy to freak out at that point and be like, forget it. This was a terrible idea. I'm going to go back to whatever. (laughs) Um, To being unhappy in my miserable job at my big firm. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but when you're, I think when you're older, you just, you've seen, you've seen a lot and done a lot and you, you just have more confidence in your, yourself and your place in the world. And I think that's, I mean, who knows? There's probably some relationship with estrogen dropping or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's some hormonal thing. I love it. Uh, Menopause is our is our superpower. Uh, yeah. uh, I love this. So we are we're near the end of our time together, but I want to do a quick speed round with you if you um, if you'll you know participate because okay. um, it's so hard to. I could talk all day to my guests. I love um, you know I love having these conversations, but we have a limited time, and I want to just move through a couple of quick questions if you're game. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So a one word answer to complete this sentence: Launching a business is exciting. Nice. My superpower at work is, and you can't use menopause because we already said that. (laughs) Uh, Focus. Focus. Okay. My superpower at home. Uh, It's, it's, if you put hyphens in, it's all one word, letting it go. Ooh, I like that. I've gotten much better at that too. Uh, (laughs) The app or hack that every small business owner needs to know. Uh, App or hack. Um, you kind of touched on it, you know, outsourcing a little bit. Is yeah. there anything? Oh, yeah. Is there anything else though? Is there something that like keeps you on track every day? I, uh, I think it's being able to laugh at stuff. <laughs> a sense of humor. All right, I love it. That makes sense. Uh, okay, on weekends you will find me. You will on weekends you'll find me either uh, in Prospect Park or um, pleading with my kids to do their homework. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's I, true. oh my gosh, it's truth, right? If I weren't running fancy, I would be a quilt maker. Ooh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. I haven't heard that one before. Very cool. Katie, this has been a lot of fun. I, I love hanging out with fellow Katie's. I love hanging out with uh, fellow entrepreneurs. And, and I really enjoyed hearing more about your business and, and um, your insights into you know, marketing to women, marketing to our peer group. It's been fascinating. And before we say goodbye, where can our listeners find out more about you and Fancy and your services and your writing? Well, I'm very Googleable at Katie Keating. And um, I have, you can find me on LinkedIn for short, Katie Keating. 
And Fancy's website is fancynyc.com. And you can find a lot of a lot of the writing and things that I've done on that website. Terrific. I'll put those all in the show notes. Thank you, Katie. Great. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when I talk with Kendra Cole Butler, the founder of Alpen Beauty, who ditched a 20-year career with big beauty brands in New York City to move to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and launch her own beauty line built around wild mountain botanicals. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties.